seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Acts chapter 11 and reading for our text verse 23. Acts chapter 11 and verse 23. Who, when he came, that is Barnabas, and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Acts chapter 11 and verse 23. We are told in the 26th verse that it is here in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Christian is a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and of his people. Antioch, there's two Antiochs, but the one here is in Syria, is just is 300 miles up north of Jerusalem. And when the church in Jerusalem heard that uh, the Grecians or Greek speaking Jews had received the word of God and that a great number had believed and turned unto the Lord, they chose Barnabas and sent him to go to them. Now, it was a good choice because if they were looking to discern the grace of God, to discern the true work of God, it needed someone that had grace and we are told that uh, that Barnabas in verse 24 was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. That is so vital, isn't it? That one sent that has those qualifications to recognize. We think of how it was that God chose uh, Peter to 10 years after Pentecost first bring the word that the Holy Ghost would fall upon the Gentiles at Caesarea. And uh, of course Peter, he had seen firsthand what had happened under his preaching at Jerusalem with the Jews. And so instead of God sending Paul, though Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, he sent Peter so that Peter could recognize and be able to return to the disciples and the apostles and say that the Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning, not by report, but by personally noticing it. And so with Barnabas as well, not by report of what grace does, but partaking of grace he was able to recognize it in another you know those that are called as those were here really regenerated born again called to the spirit they still need exhorting in fact we we may say that it is only those with the new birth with spiritual life that ever can respond to any exhortation and especially an exhortation to cleave 
that is uh, to uh, uh, join fastly to and to remain joined uh, so the joining was done first by grace it was done first by the work of the holy spirit through the ministry and having then been joined to the lord by faith and joined to the disciples they were then exhorted to not only just be around them but to really cleave to them have a very close bond to them and so when barnabas came not only did he see and recognize but then being also a man of faith and grace then he was able to exhort them able to speak to them and later on he finds uh, paul as well uh, when uh, barnabas was there we read that much people was added unto the lord it didn't remain just of what the report was when barnabas came more were added and then when paul came then we read that there are even more and they assembled uh, themselves a whole year and, and the blessing that attended that time and so we have this picture of Barnabas amongst these Christians, these new believers, and Barnabas is exhorting them. So I want to look with the Lord's help at three important parts of this verse. The first is the grace of God seen. What did Barnabas see? He saw, we are told, the grace of God. And then secondly, the need the Lord's dear people have of exhortation. The need to be exhorted, or the word exhort means to strongly encourage or urge someone to do something or walk in a particular way. And then thirdly, cleaving to the Lord. And we are told that it is here with purpose of heart. It is a a conscious decision, a conscious action to cleave to the Lord. I want to look at what that means. But firstly, the grace of God that is seen. Now, in one sense, grace cannot be seen. It is the free, unmerited favour of of God. It's a bit like, if we were to use an illustration, a bit like electricity. You cannot see electricity unless it is joined to something. If we join electricity supply to a light and the light lights up, we can see that there is power there. We can see that there is electricity. If we join it to a heater, uh, then we can see it there if we join it to a speaker, an amplifier system, we, we get, get sound. If we join it to an electric motor, we, we, we get the turning of the motor. Uh, and there's power, there's life there. You turn off the electricity to the computers and everything goes dead and black and silent and there, there's no life there. But you can't see the electricity, but you can see the effects of it. And the effects in those ways that I've illustrated with, uh, they vary. 
light is very different than heat and sound. Uh, those things, they all are showing the same power, the same electricity, but they're in different ways. And so it is with the grace of God. It is as it is displayed. We, the, the people of God, are like these lamps, these heaters, these computers, these electric motors, these things that of themselves would just remain cold and silent and still and unmoving. But as soon as you put the power to them, then there's such a difference. And poor sinners that are dead in trespasses and sins, sinners that have no life in them at all by nature, sinners that are unbelieving and hardened and cold, when the Lord gives them grace, when he passes by them and bids them live and he quickens them into life, then there's difference. They're still the same. It's like the, the light bulb. It's still the same light bulb. But what a difference when it has power. The electric motor is still the same motor, but what a difference when the power is turned to it. And so the people of God, you see them, this is the same person. But what difference? You think of the mad Gadarene. No man could bind him, cutting himself with stones and all day and night amongst the tombs. And yet when the Lord came, and there they saw him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, they were afraid. What a difference. It's the same man, but what a difference. We think of the man that was born blind. And there was at one time with the Pharisees, they questioned whether he was even the same man. Was he, they said to his parents, is this thy son that was born blind? And they had to be assured, yes, it is the same the same one. But a miracle has happened, a change has happened, and now he can see. And that is what grace does. It transforms, it changes, it makes a new creature in Christ. It makes all things new. All things passed away, all things are become new. And so this is what Barnabas, he saw. He saw this change. He saw a great number believed. He saw them turning to the Lord. You might say, well, but Barnabas, had you been before? By nature we don't believe. By nature we don't turn to the Lord. No. No, it's a good thing to remember that by nature we cannot, we cannot do these things. You know, we read in Jeremiah, can the leopard change its spots? No. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? No. No more can ye that are accustomed to do evil do good. But grace, it can do what nothing else can do. It can renew, it changes, it makes new creatures. And this is what Barnabas saw. He saw a people that had grace. You know, some of these uh, marks of grace are evidenced in this passage uh, with the believing, with the turning unto the Lord. But 
Others are not so evident. One of them that is vital if there is to be any exhortation is a teachable spirit. One that will listen. You know what we read with Jeremiah, they would not listen. They would not hearken. And also there's an, an ear. We think of in Revelation, the seven letters to the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that hath an ear, not all have ears, spiritual ears. We hear outwardly, but we don't hear inwardly. It's like someone that would be planning to go away on holiday. Perhaps a family were. They'd made all the plans and looking forward to it and it's going to happen on the morrow. And then the husband, the father comes in and he says there's trouble with the car. The gearbox has gone wrong. And they say, oh dear, how much is that going to cost to repair? And he says, have you heard what I've just said? It's a major repair needed. We can't go away on holiday tomorrow. And you can hear something, but not realise the implications of it. How many times we've sat under the sound of the gospel, sat and heard of what lies beyond the grave, eternity, the judgment throne, the wrath to come, and that a soul on its own cannot stand before God. How many times have we heard, the soul that sinneth it shall die, and that cursed is every one that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. And we just hear it and think, well, yeah, we've heard that many times. But do you really hear it? Do you know what that's saying? Do you want to know what that means to you, to me, that we are sinners, that we need a hope, we need a refuge, we need a hiding place? Do you really understand the implications of that? It's like one hoping to go to university, know what the standards are, and they get the results. When they really understand that if they don't get a certain result, they're not going to any university then it sinks in because they understand it. They put the two and two together and realise that result of exam I did applies to me and my hope of a position in this university. And so it is with the things of God. I remember years ago I was asked to sign a passport application. It happened to be one of the sons of one of our ministers and that son was a rebellious one. He, he didn't like chapel and he, he was leaving chapel. And I signed his paper and I said, well, what, what, why do you need this passport? I knew full well why, but I wanted to get from him. He said, well, if I haven't got it, he said, I can't go into the country that I want to go into. I said, right. I said, what makes you think then you're going to get into heaven? and to escape the wrath to come without what is equivalent to a passport, without what is required. You say man and the rulers of this world have requirements to go into their countries, but, but God doesn't have that for heaven. He just lets anyone in. And there's no requirements. You don't have to know who you are or, or anything. Of course not. The wonderful thing if 
word like that is blessed in years to come. Looking at a passport suddenly remembered what was spoken perhaps many years ago. But the grace of God is that which makes a real difference and a real change. Renews the spirit, renews the heart, changes the heart. The Apostle Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And some of us, we can look back to where the Lord gave us grace, to where the Lord converted us. And we would say that if that did not happen, then what I am today and where my life is today would be very, very different. It would have gone on a completely different course, a completely different way. And so we can say with the Apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It has made a difference. It has made a change. And so we have the grace of God that then is seeable in its fruits. By their fruits, ye shall know them. Not works done to merit salvation, but these that show this grace, uh, they grow downward in their own esteem and upward in God's when we read growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. It's not getting better and better and better. It's growing more like the hymn writer says, If ever my poor soul be saved, his Christ must be the way. Because I see in all my works or my thoughts or my deeds is sin mixed with everything if ever my salvation was reliant upon me i would have no hope at all i need grace and more grace and the more and more we see the evil within and see our nature as it is lost and ruined in the fall the more we need the grace of our lord jesus christ and the more then it is evidenced when it affects our lives, in our prayers, in our seeking, in our love to the brethren. We know that we have passed from death unto life, in that we love the brethren. In our appetite, what we have an appetite for, for the word of God, hunger and thirst after righteousness, a blessing on those that do that. And so this is what Barnabas, as he came up, he would have seen seen such a difference what a difference when paul when in a few chapters on he he is at mars hill and he goes and he sees a people that have altars for this god that god and then to an unknown god just in case they left someone out and he preached unto them he declared unto them the true and living god but when he first came what he saw told him these people are not believers these people are still in nature's darkness these people need the gospel preached to them that the lord would bless that to them and bring them out of nature's darkness him whom ye do ignorantly worship do i declare unto you and so there is a difference here though with barnabas he saw grace. He saw God's work. No one called out to uh, William Gadsby 
when he was walking down the street once and pointed out to him a drunk lying in the gutter and said, There, Mr. Gadsby, that's your work. And he looked at him and he said, Yes, that does look like my work. If that had been God's work, he would not be in the gutter. Grace makes a difference and a change. The minister himself has no power to bring that about. He cannot change a man's heart or man's will. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. But God can do it. And they really what Barnabas saw here was God's work. The effect, what they had seen before, what he tasted himself as they went forth preaching, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. We must ask ourselves, and sometimes it's hard to see the grace in ourselves, but has there been a change? Has the Lord turned us around? Has he given us a hearing ear so that we hear differently than what we used to? Has he given us an appetite so that we, instead of dragging our feet to the house of God, we hasten there, we look forward to it. Instead of just hearing the word and it never changes what we do, we never go away from the Lord's house and change our actions or put things right or no, has it made a difference that it does make a change now? We do listen, we do obey, we do follow. Are we possessors of grace? Are we possessors of the humbling work of God, the work that makes teachable, the work that opens an ear? How vital it is that you and I are possessors of grace. Without it, whatever imitations, whatever we might put as something that is a substitute, is not. We need the work of God. He will have regard to the work of his own hands. When we read that beautiful promise in Philippians, He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We need that work begun for that ever to be a comfort for us. And so may this be a searching word to us. May it also be a comforting word if indeed we are able to see and, and cannot but uh, bear witness that the Lord has given us grace. He has given us life. So our first point, the grace of God seen. But then secondly, the need the Lord's people have of exhortation. If we look on a few chapters uh, further on, if, if we just go to the, the uh, chapter 13 and we read there in verse 15, uh, there they, uh, Paul and his companions, they're going uh, in, in, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. They sit down and after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. And so, in other words, 
preaching often is exhortation, is spoken as exhorting. And we have that again in the 14th chapter and verse 22. How be it? Um, no, sorry, 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And so again there's that strongly urging the people to continue in the faith. And in chapter 15 uh, as well uh, we have the exhortation uh, and Judas and Silas being prophets also themselves uh, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. Exhortation, our Lord did so, a strongly urging. Now we might think if there's grace, if there's the life of God, surely it would come automatically. If you're looking for fruit of grace, you shouldn't have to force it by directing a people or urging them to do something, surely. But that is not how it's set forth in the Word of God. Grace on itself, it does bring many things automatically, if you like. Uh, giving that hearing ear, giving a teachableness, giving a willingness. But then that hearing ear is to hear things. The willingness is to be willing to do things. The obedient spirit is to obey what is set before us in the gospel. And so the idea that God's children can just be converted and they're just be left without a teacher, without a guide, without an instructor, it's completely opposite than the scriptures. It's a sad thing, really. And I believe in our churches quite often, there's those that are converted, and maybe they sit under a ministry that is just experiential. There's not the opening up of the scriptures. There's not the unfolding of the doctrines. There's not then a deepening of the work. Paul speaks in Hebrews of a people that he could not speak to. He could not bring the meats of the gospel, the deeper things of the things of God, because they hadn't grown. He said they were like children who still needed milk. What would we think if there was a 10-year-old that couldn't eat solids and he was still drinking milk? we think something was really wrong. And there's a passing on from the first principles of things of God to the deeper things of God. And so there is a need of the exhortation, there's need of the preaching of the word regularly to encourage each other, strengthen each other, point in the right way, point away from the wrong ways. And that word is, a, is an urging of a people. And those who have grace, they hearken. They hear, they obey, they take notice. I speak much to myself as to, to any of you. We need to think how much do we 
feed upon or need in keeping our life close to the Lord and as it should be, do we need the preaching of the word and the exhortations of the word of God? We are constantly prone to go away, go astray, come back from where we have begun. And we need these exhortations. And may this be and encourage some of the Lord's people get into very low places and they may think, well, the Lord's never begun. I've never, never been changed. I haven't had grace at all. But you have. But you're backslidden, got into a low place. There haven't been the warnings, exhortations. There hasn't been the growth in grace. And instead of casting away our confidence and casting away our hope, we need to pay heed to the need of God's people to be exhorted. Now those that are dead, it won't make any difference. They won't hear, they won't hearken, it won't be a prophet to them. They, 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 will never, they haven't got the capability to, to respond. You know, years ago, I was teaching a young man to do engineering drawing in the office where I was the chief mechanical design engineer and we had colour codes for all the different line work on the drawings, the colour lines on the screen represented a different thickness and he kept getting them wrong and I, I told him what they each were and then I went back and said but no I've explained this why why have you got that line that colour why haven't you changed it and he said I'm colour blind and he wasn't seeing the colours that I was seeing and as soon as I realised that I then changed the indexes and changed it so that when I was looking at the drawing I saw the colours I recognised when he was looking at the drawing for the same index number of a line it was a colour he recognised as different and then everything went well but until that was done, until it was recognised, he had no capability of responding rightly to my directions. He thought he was doing right, thought he was getting it right, but he wasn't at all. And so with grace, we might speak to someone without grace. They're all the time, well, they're like those in, in John chapter 6. The Lord is talking of spiritual things, except you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, they have no life in you. They said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They weren't looking at it in a spiritual way, but a natural way. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. They are life, the Lord says. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Uh, to them will he reveal his covenant. You think of when the Lord first began with Nicodemus and I believe he was right in the end but the insistence on the new birth Nicodemus immediately interprets it how can a man that is old be born again return to his mother's womb and he struggled with it and the Lord insisted he must be born again a spiritual birth and so we need that exhortation and in one sense, receiving, obeying, responding to 
the exhortations, urgings, warnings, directions of the word and through the ministry are an evidence of grace. An evidence of grace. Not coming as a door upon its hinges, backwards and forwards, no different. But grace is responding to the word that is being spoken. God's dear children need the exhortations, the warnings. You think of a child naturally. Yes, there may be love, love to the parents, but they still need correction. They still need exhorting and warning and teaching. And so God's children do as well. So the need the Lord's people have of exhortation, you and I need it if we are the people of God. And really it is only those that can be exhorted, especially in the very point of the exhortation here, which in our third point is an exhortation to cleave to the Lord. Cleaving is an interesting word, isn't it? In one sense, if you get wood and you cleave it, you split it apart. The sense of the text, the cleaving is to hold together. Like Ruth cleaving, she clave to her mother-in-law, to, to Naomi, whereas Orpah went back. And so this is the exhortation here, that these here would cleave unto the Lord. And that it would be a purpose of heart, consciously making the effort, not just drifting along. We, we're often in, in danger of that, aren't we? We just drift along. It would be like a person in business and they never have a list of things to do. They just meander. The first thing that comes across their desk, will they do it and... Uh, they know they've got several things lined up but then someone phones and they stop everything else and they just do what that phone call wants them to do and there's no purpose we can easily be like that even in business but in the things of God our aim our purpose of our hearts must be to to cleave the Lord has put us in the way he has put us with his people. Here it is the disciples that are first called Christians at Antioch. And it's cleaving with the Lord and his people. Wherever you see in the New Testament, like with the Thessalonians, that they became followers of the Lord and of us. There was a being let go, they went unto their own company. We know that we passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And the Lord says, if ye uh, do not love a brother whom thou hast seen, how can you love him that thou hast not seen? And so part of that cleaving to the Lord is cleaving to his people. Thy people shall be my people, thy God my God. Ruth, she did not want to be parted. No, only death would part. And, and that, of course, with God's people, it doesn't. They are forever with the Lord and with his dear people. But here is a, 
exhortation to cleave to the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, we read in verse 21 that they turned unto the Lord. So they're not to turn away from the Lord. Cleaving to the Lord, they are to remain in that path and in that way the Lord has set them. Later on we, we read about uh, cleaving to the faith. In Jude we read about contending to the faith once delivered unto the saints. And it's to remain in the path and in the way that the Lord has set us in. Bunyan, he portrays his pilgrims being set in the narrow way that leadeth unto life, the celestial way. But they went out to bypath meadow. They went out before that, a worldly wise man to, to Mount Sinai. Uh, and their troubles with all the time being uh, trying to be led out of the way. And we read in Isaiah, Thou shalt hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand when you turn to the left, and we often do. And, and so that cleaving is to hold fast to them. Uh, Boaz said to Ruth, Go not to glean in another field, but abide fast by my maidens. You know, many we see beginning in the way, and then they take up with perhaps a lighter cause or an easy believers in gospel uh, they, they start to uh, cast away some of those things, those traditions that are profitable and good and right as if they weren't. And you know how vital it is to cleave to the Lord, cleave to his word, cleave to his doctrine, cleave to his servants, cleave to his people, cleave to the assemblies of the people of God, cleave to the ways of the Lord, cleave to the truth, buy the truth and sell it not. All that becomes the Lord is cleaving. Now this is one of the reasons why we read the passage in Jeremiah. It's a very striking illustration, isn't it? Jeremiah was asked to go in uh, Jeremiah 13 uh, verse 1 asked to go and get a linen girdle put it on his loins and then after a while he just to take that girdle that was so close to him so useful so good uh, and profitable and, and take and hide it by a rock in a hole of the rock in Euphrates a river damp damp place then after many days the Lord said you go go and see that girdle see what it is behold we read in verse 7 the girdle was marred it was profitable for nothing then we read the Lord's interpretation verse 11 for as the girdle cleaveth to the loins of a man so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people and for a name and for a praise and for a glory. A solemn thing here under this, uh, the covenant of works, 
but they would not hear. And again, that gives the indication what the difference is when one has grace, they're given a hearing ear. Here it says they would not hear. And yet they will still have the word to speak to them. God's ancient people, they're such a lesson to us of what natural man is. Natural man even under a covenant relationship with God. One that is just walking in the path that their fathers have walked in, but not with grace. Now it's a good thing to be brought up under the sound of the truth, to be going to the house of God, hearing the word of God, but if all we do is to go, and that is just because of tradition and just because of our upbringing, it's not saving, and also it's not a guard against when the world comes in, the temptations of our own evil nature, and when Satan comes in, then we haven't got that grace to hearken and stay ourselves. We're like Joash, Joash the boy king, the, the king that had been hid for those years while Athaliah was queen. You know, all the time Jehoahaz was the high priest, then he did well. But when the high priest died, then he listened to the elders of Judah and even killed the high priest Zacharias, Zacharias the high priest's son. What a different character. He was just propped up by another person's religion. He had not of his own. You know, when I was first called by grace and I joined the Welsh Male Voice Choir before I was called by grace, but I said to them, I'm not going to any functions on the Sunday. And we went a year or two and many functions were planned and some started to be planned on the Sunday, but they're in churches. And they weren't clashing with our service times. And so they were, their idea was, my interpretation of what I'd said, was I'm not going to anything that clashes with what we do on the Sunday. And to get the idea that it was the Lord's Day, and that's why I wasn't going to do any of that sort of entertainment and singing in the choir in that way. And one day, one of my workmates that was with me in the choir, he told the choir master, he said, I think it's his parents. That's why he's doing it. So he stood me up in front of all the 40 in the choir and he said to me, he says, is it you or is it your parents why you won't do anything on the Sunday? And at that point, the Lord was just starting to begin in my heart, and it would have gone. It could have gone either way. I said to him, "No, it's me. I don't want to do anything on the Sunday." And that just stopped them. They didn't ask any more. When they realised it was my own conviction and own desire, and I wasn't just following a parent's one, but they were prepared to undermine a parental authority and direction solemn thing. May we have personal conviction and be able to stand and hold fast to the Lord's way and cleave to the Lord. As for me, says Joshua, and my house, we will serve 
the Lord. And that was so vital, and it is so vital. And this then is what the exhortation of Barnabas was to these believers, that in cleaving there was a blessing. Moses says to his father-in-law, come with us and we will do thee good. Lord says through Barnabas here to these new believers, you stick fast to the people of God and you have purpose of heart to do that and in that you'll be blessed. You might think, well, how can I grow in grace? How can I be taught what? You don't worry about that. You just cleave. How the Lord says to a people that are labouring and heavy laden, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I meek and lowly in heart, you shall find rest to your souls. What does he mean? Walk together, yoke together, close together. And then you'll learn. You'll learn of me. You'll pattern off me. How often in the idea of an apprenticeship? It was so when I did my engineering apprenticeship. For the first three years, my fitter that I was under, he wouldn't let me do anything on my own back and uh, choose what to do. He told me everything. And when he told me one thing to do, I said, yeah, but what happens when I finish that? I want the next thing to do. He said, no. He said, if I tell you the next thing, by the time you get to it, you'll forget. And I did. And he, he nurtured me those three years. At the end of the three years, he said, right, now it's different. He said, now, when you think you're going to go and ask me what to do, he said, you think, do I already know it? What have I been told? And the many times I had to check myself and thought, yes, I did know. He had taught me. And then I could apply it myself. But those first three years was actually shadowing him, watching how he did things, learning of him, it was a very good apprenticeship. And yet all that really did was to be copying and following a good tradesman. Well, we are to be with the people of God, the Lord himself, those who truly walk in the Lord's ways and imitate them, follow them, learn of them, walk along with them. You know what a great blessing it is when we are favoured with the people and we look upon them like Ruth did of Naomi and she viewed her as a gracious woman a woman that she wanted to be like her even in the midst of tribulation and trial and that she would be with her it's a great thing to to recognise really is an evidence of grace to recognise grace and then to cleave with those that have grace. The word of God exhorts us to flee from those of the world where we see no wisdom or no fear of the Lord. We are to depart from them. But here we have the exhortation to, to cleave. Well, may we heed this. May it be a, a word in season. May it be one as been thinking about going away, changing, doing something different, joining to someone else, some other place, some other 
group, some other faith, you might say, well, they're still Christians. Yeah, but do they really know the truth? Really following it? Is it where you have been called? Abide. Go not into another field. What a message. What a direction and exhortation is here. So dear Barnabas, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, not just some of them, all of them. He didn't just pick out one and say, well, you're rather weak and, uh, and you're rather strong. I don't need to exhort you. No, all of them. That with purpose of heart, planning to do so, they would cleave unto the Lord. May the Lord be pleased to bless this word and help us to go on our way cleaving to the Lord. Amen.